Welcome to another edition of Talking Ball with the Czar. I'm Emery Hunt, the Czar of the Playbook. Be sure to follow me on all of my social media accounts. And don't forget to check out and subscribe to the Football Game Plan Network located at youtube.com slash football game plan. We also have a new book out on footballgameplan.com slash go-go offense. It's the go-go offense written by William & Mary offensive coordinator Brendan Marion. Be sure to check that book out and get your hands on a copy today. Joining me today on the podcast is Cherokee Valeria, the defensive pass game coordinator and secondary coach from Sacramento State. Coach, I appreciate you taking time. Thank you for taking the time as well. I'm a big fan of your coaching style and what you do out there with the with that secondary and with the defense. And you guys are in the midst of a fantastic season right now uh, at Sacramento State. What part, let's say, in the spring that kind of gave you the idea that, you know what, this may be a special unit? Because this is your first year there, and you, you kind of saw from afar uh, what was going on. But once you got there, at what point did you realize this could be something special that we're dealing with here? Well, anytime you make a transition from one team to the other, you always worry about what's in the locker room. I mean, they're coming out of a, you know, not so successful season last year um, and making the transition down here. You know, you're going to have some hiccups. You're going to know you're going to have to teach some technique and game, but it's really about what's in the locker room. And what was the most surprising thing when I came down here was that locker room was a brotherhood already. It, it was a tight bond. Uh, you could see the interaction between each other. It wasn't a bunch of me guys. It wasn't a bunch of, hey, I'm over here. I'm just trying to get mine. It was how do we, you know, make this thing special? How do we get better? How do we take it to the next level? And you saw that in the spring. And when we came in and we did our winter conditioning and, you know, our winter ball. And, and But once we got into the spring and you saw those players out there compete at a high level and get excited for one another and get excited as the success builds, you know, from practice one, practice two, practice three, that's when you knew you had something special. That's when I knew it's not going to take three years to get this thing turned around. It could take one or two years, you know, because we already had that tight knit bond and that tight knit camaraderie. You know, what's interesting about what you do and your job title is the fact that, you know, back when we were playing college ball, uh, me and you are probably around the same age. You may be a little bit uh, younger than me. Um, but going back to it, you were defensive pass game coordinator. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's a specialized position now, a much-needed yeah. position in today's game. Yeah. Take us through what exactly do you do out there to coordinate um, getting these guys in the right spot to make plays out there on Saturday. Well, it is. It's a unique, you know, opportunity. And, and that and that's one of the things that drew me down here was this opportunity to expand my, you know, coaching background, expand what I do. Um, we did it a little bit up at Eastern, you know, but it was a collective feel thing. So basically what a pass game coordinator is, is Andy, Andy Thompson does an amazing job on defense. He 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 structures the overall game plan. He calls the defense. He does, you know, he he makes those adjustments on the sideline and tells us what we got to do and how we got to do things. What a pass game coordinator basically does is in leading up to the game, I'm I'm taking the overall pass game and breaking it down into components. So we build our whole defense on, okay, are we going to play, if we play man-to-man, are we going to play, you know, um, a bump? Uh, bump coverage with a guy over top or we're going to put bracket that stuff or we're going to build a different half side component um, to defeat that pass game because they're so strong over there or are we going to f- make a full field coverage adjustments when they come tight sets are we going to handle it handle bunch and clusters a certain way 
So I go through my game plan and looking at, you know, the overall structure of the pass concept and decide, okay, what are the intricacies within a coverage to determine how we could best defend that? Yeah, you guys do a, a, a great job as far as taking away um, elements of, of an offense on game day. You know, calling games myself, you kind of see the the nuance that that's involved more so nowadays than what it was back in the 90s and stuff like that. And I think as far as the pass game is concerned defensively, people tend to think of it as just pass rush and secondary, but the linebackers are, are critical still to this day in pass defense. How you how can you explain uh, to those that may not understand the role that the linebackers play in coverage and also how you incorporate them in your coordination of a pass game? Well, like you said, it is crucial because they're the in-between players, okay? They got to be fitting the run. They got to be back on the pass. So they're in both worlds where a defensive line, you know, they're coming out. They're going, okay, it's third down. They know it. They're pass rushing where a linebacker is going to have to play in both. So how we try to simplify things is we try to structure the pass game around them and try to keep them as close to the box as possible, not to ask too much, not to ask a backer to fit a B gap or A gap and to be the flat defender all the way out on his boundary side. Um, and, and that's all in the components that are surrounding him. So we look at the overall structure of how we're going to pressure offense, how we are going to attack a certain protection that the running back and the offensive line is going to do, and where we're going to fit the, the linebacker in general, and then what can we utilize him? Do we have to create a pressure or a bogus pressure um, because we're going to play zone behind him, or are we going to create a pressure and play man, and how are we going to handle the bat coming out of the field? Is it going to be a peel coverage? Is it going to be a match coverage? You know, how is that intricacy going to help those backers out because they are they are in those two way streets, you know, being against the run and against the pass. You're you're an offensive guy in your background. I'm an offensive guy myself. And I wanted to ask you, now that you're on the defensive side, do you feel like back when you played, it was a little bit maybe easier to defend the pass as opposed to now? Is it is it hard to defend the pass in today's game? And why, if you think that's the case? I think so. I think it is as because the offense has grown so much and they're becoming really, you know, you need nine guys in the box at some time to take <laughs> care of the quarterback run game, you know. Um, so they're utilizing every single guy out there and we're going to have to fit the box accordingly. So it has developed. And I, I was joking around. I was actually at a, um, uh, a convention and, and speaking you know, to a group when I said, there's going to be a day down the road where the, the corners coach is going to be the highest paid coach on the coaching staff. <laughs> <laughs> because we got, we got to put those guys on islands and we got to have great technique out there to allow everybody to be in the box to stop the run. You know, that day is coming sooner or later. So, yes, I do believe it has grown from, you know, back when I played wide receiver at Central Washington, you know, and my career was... <laughs> very, you know, limited in the aspect that I walked on and did what I did. But that pass game structure and the structure that we have nowadays and the defense that we had back then and the defense that we have nowadays is completely evolved. And it's a great thing. Now, how does playing wide receiver kind of help you uh, coordinate a defense? For me, it was if I was to be a linebacker, because I was a running back in college, so I can give you some certain keys on what to look for and maybe some some tips on, on what they're probably anticipating. From your perspective out on the perimeter, how does that help you better coach defense? Oh, basically, you know, I go back to what we tried to do on the offensive minded when I went through college. You know, what, what, 
okay, if we have a hitch route and we got a corner route over top, or if we, you know, a certain pass concept, how the quarterback is reading his progression. Is it a half, half side coverage, you know, split field concepts? Is it full field concepts? Is he reading left to right, right to left? You know, where is he trying to get his pre-snap key from? Is it the free safety, you know, adjustment or boundary safety's adjustment or how is he doing that? So I look at the offense that way, you know, in an offensive perspective of when I played and try to uh, detail on how they are looking at an opposing defense. And then I take what I know about what they're doing and give that to our guys. So we will be sometimes we will show one coverage or show one pressure and bring the opposite side pressure because we know that maybe that offensive coordinator or offensive uh, quarterback is looking at that. So that helps me a lot. I'm, I'm going to bring you there to bring you back here because mm-hmm. I think we have a lot of parallels. When you know, when I got my start in broadcasting or calling games, my first game was a women's tackle football game, right? <laughs> and so it was a women's yep. tackle football game down in D.C. Yep. And I transitioned from that to high school and then now yep. calling college games. Yep. And your background as far as your journey to now where you are as a, a Division One coach, yep. you coach high school ball, you coach yep. minor league football. Yes. So the the point I was trying to make is that you you could take some of the the back. So we didn't just start right at the you didn't start as a D1 coach. I didn't start on ESPN. Um, But you're able to look back on those experiences and draw something from that kind of help make you who you are today. What were some of the things that you learned uh, as a high school coach coaching minor league ball that kind of made this job right here? uh, You as as a division one coach so much easier as opposed to had you not gotten that experience. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest step that I took was was when I went and I was playing. I played like two years minor league. So I coached high school ball for two years at, at um, Ellensburg High School. Then I tried to go back and play because I learned so much coaching. You know, when you get those coaching eyes and you, you pick up, you know, guards pulling and all these intricacies that you never were taught, you know, you want to use them. So I still was young enough to go out and go play a little bit. And my body started getting beat up. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know, I really loved coaching. So um, I was blessed enough to be on a really, really good, you know, semi-pro team. It was owned by, you know, Sam Adams, Nesby Glasgow, several, you know, NFL players. And so I, I, I jumped back into coaching at that realm. And our season was in the summer. And um, the high school season was your normal football season. So when I was coaching minor league, I was double dipping. I was coaching minor league ball in the summer and then transitioning to high school ball in the spring, you know, going from there. So it was it was a great opportunity for me to grow as a coach because in the matter of two years, it was really like four years. And that taught me, you know, uh, quickly how to explain things, how to, to organize things, how to, you know, adapt to various different personalities because I went from you know, guys that had a lot of experience that came off of playing college ball to high school players that had no experience, you know, and how do you explain that type of technique structure and defensive scheme and overall organization over and over, you know, to those different type of groups. So I think going through that, those two, three years and bouncing back and forth, which really were four or five year plans, really set me up to be successful in college. It, it, you're right. It's it's always about, you know, man, I wish I would have known this because as a player, you kind of look at it from your own position, your perspective, and you're kind of selfish in that way. Like, OK, I only could view it through my lens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once you take that step back and see how in the why of everything, you're like, oh, man, I wish I would have not been so 
focus on my job. I could have done my job a little bit better had I yeah. incorporated the whole plan. Yep. Um, I was at the FCS title game last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, when you guys played North Dakota, say you were at Eastern Washington at the time. Yep. And I, I remember just saying, like, man, these cornerbacks, both of them, you know, they're just really good. The secondary is really good. Yep. And now that I, you know, go back and look, you you know, the time you were there at Eastern, um, you know, with TJ Moe and those guys and, you know, all those guys that you developed, TJ Lee, I'm sorry, and you know, all those guys that you developed and, and they all had the same quality. Um, how are you able to get these guys to not only maintain that level of technical play, uh, they always find the football, which is something that I love, you know, and the fact that they're doing that in a situation where guys are not being taught that. So when you see it, you're like, wow, that's an anomaly because guys are normally not finding the ball, but you do a great job of making sure they stay technically sound and also turn the ball over. How are you able to, to teach that to where they are applying that on game day? It comes down to practice. Honestly, it does. Uh, we even at Eastern Washington, we cha- I challenge those guys, you know, especially those TJ Lees, the Ron Baines, you know, the Victor Gambles, the guys, you know, those high level guys that you have to do it day in and day out. And so what we developed throughout the years, you know, one of my my great little assets I have is we developed what we call is a kill ratio. It's a it's the amount of times that you get attacked you know, with the ball going to you, either if you're in a man man situation or if you're in a zone and how many times does that wide receiver catch the ball? So you develop a mindset basically that determines, okay, if I'm playing cover two, or if I'm playing man to man, the ball comes my way, I got to knock it down. I got to get it out. And what we found out is the fact that developing that mindset in practice carried over into the games. And you see these guys transition quickly. And we've done the same thing through, Eastern Washington that I'm doing here, you know, and you could see that. And what happens is as that develops and, and the guys are started competing against each other, each another, they know each other's kill ratio. They know each other. Hey, I got a, you know, 70% kill ratio, which is really good. You know, in this day and age of passing the ball um, compared to, you know, I'm at a 40, 45% and they start competing and you start utilizing that on how you're going to build your starters. That last season at Eastern Washington, you know, the, the Josh Lee, the uh, Delondo Tuckers, the guys that were playing in those games, they competed every week to see who started. Because I had four guys, four seniors mm-hmm. that all of them could start. So every week on practice, we had the kill ratio up. And every practice, hey, this is where you're at. This is where you're at, you know. And that, that constant competition obviously extended onto the field, extended onto game day, and created that that aspect to go up and go get the ball and to make plays. Is that also tying into how you're able to build, let's say, confidence within uh, the defense? Because I think it's easier to, you know, for an offensive guy to, to you know, build that confidence because you get the ball. But yeah. for defensive guys, you, you kind of have to find ways to create that that inner confidence within the scheme, within the system, within the defense. Uh, yeah. Is that another way of doing that? Definitely. It definitely is because uh, because of how they react and how they know their history is and they're building up and they're building. They're seeing it grow. They're seeing, you know, the techniques come into play. They're seeing how well they're doing. So it's definitely a way to build that confidence. You see a lot of coaches, uh, you know, let's say whether they are done playing or you may see guys online that that may want to dabble in the coaching and they get into it and then they leave. But those that tend to stay obviously have a true love for it. So 
you know, especially your journey and the road you took to get here. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it about the game that you would say you love the most? Oh, tell you the truth, I, it's nothing about the game. Honestly, it's nothing about the game. It's about developing that young man. I mean, seeing them come in at 18, 19, you know, there's so many stories I can tell you in the last seven years that guys came in as freshmen and they probably hated me, hated me because I held them accountable because I told them, you know, you're not going to be able to go on this road trip because you didn't go to class this last week or, or you know, you didn't, you're, you're, you're not doing things what we're trying to do off the field to get you on the field. And then they become seniors and now they're loving me because of the manhood that they created. That's that's the true special thing about college football that, you know, only a coach really understands a guy inside those locker rooms, seen the struggles of a young man at, you know, 18, 19 years old compared to a grown man at about 22, you know, 23, maybe, you know, that that is special. And to have a piece in that. And then later on, I'm, I'm still, you know, staying in contact of guys, you know, and, and seeing them grow up and have kids and have families and be successful in the real world and knowing deep down inside that I had a piece of that, you know, that is the true reason why it makes, you know, coaching at a long time very, very, you know, worthy. You know what? That's an interesting perspective. No one has ever broken it down like that. And it, it kind of ties into, you know, how I want to ask the next question because I think one of the biggest things as humans is that, you know, we have to understand is, you know, we're complex. And Mm -hmm. to be honest, football is probably one of those greatest teachers of getting you to understand, like, man, we are a complex being. Um, Things are not as always as they seem. And and would you say one of the lessons football has taught you is is how complex, you know, we are as people? And if that's not the case or do you agree? Or what is another lesson that you would say football has taught you? No, definitely that we are all complex. I think every what what I enjoy on the coaching side is everyone learns differently. You mm-hmm. know, everyone studies different or, or, or adapts differently or grows differently. And, and figuring out, you know, how a certain player understands things in their head to 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 make them understand techniques, you know, coverage concepts, overall defensive schemes, you know, compared to how everyone's background has brought them to where they're at right now. I have guys that have come in, come in from a really, really crappy background, you know, with, you know, where they grew up, where they went to high school, their family structure and all that. But they're very successful on the field, you know, and then I have guys who've had a great background and they're very successful on the field. So understanding the diversity behind all that, you know, life setup plan is something that's very special. So, yes, I think football definitely is a complex sport, a complex avenue to see all different type of backgrounds and, you know, individuals become, you know, something special. I must say, Coach, you know, covering this this game uh, for a while and just seeing the rebirth of, of West Coast football at the collegiate level, especially at the Division One FCS level, no one is talking about the resurgence of the West Coast. Um, Sacramento State is one of those places that I could consider a sleeping giant. Um, major city, major metropolitan city, Nice program that's right there. Uh, so if you're a student athlete listening to this podcast and, you know, watching the videos and, and watching you guys go out there and compete every every day, why would a student athlete choose Sacramento State? I go back to the first question you asked me. You know, um, I think it's the brotherhood. I think it's the family aspect. I think it's the fact that when you come here, we're built out of love, that we're not built out of fear. I mean, Coach Taylor 
that's the first thing he established when he walked on campus is, you know, it's all, you know, it's all about love. We're going to love you. You're not, you might not like how we, you know, tell you that you got to do X, Y, and Z, but we're ultimately it's beyond because we love you and we want to have you successful and that brotherhood and that family feel and that type of stuff is special. I've been a lot of places, you know, and not a lot of places have that from thick through thin, from the ground all the way to uh, ground, ground all the way up. Um, uh, outside of that, you know, you'll have your whole, you know, city structure, your great campus life. You'll have your, your, you know, your academics and all that. But really, when it come down to it, why so many kids will choose Sacramento State is because they'll come here and they'll know that we care. You know that we truly, honestly care about them, and they're going to be successful here because they know they're going to be treated right. You know, so. Coach, well, listen, I, I know you guys got a hectic schedule, big game, and and in prepar- preparation for that. And I just appreciate you taking time, sharing some of this knowledge with me. And I'm pretty sure in the offseason we can get a little bit more in detail on, on the intricacies of, of, you know, secondary play and, and yeah. coverage. I don't want to get too much into detail now because you never know who may be listening to the podcast. So yeah. I want to make sure I just uh, send my appreciation and thanks and wish you guys best of luck moving forward. Thank you again for taking time. No problem. Thank you. You guys do an awesome job, and I really appreciate it, especially on the focus on FCS play. I mean, yeah, I listen to you guys and stuff every week. It's amazing. So, Well, I, I appreciate that, Coach. Man, that means a lot to us because it, it lets us know that uh, we got a good thing going, and, uh, you know, we're just trying to continue to build this thing, and we're trying to get, like, Sacramento State. We want to be the Sacramento State uh, <laughs> of the FCS covering it. So I appreciate you, Coach. Thanks again. All right. Thank you.